1: Tom DeLonge co-founded one of the most popular bands of all time, Blink-182. Along with his side projects of Angels and Airwaves and Boxcar Racer, he was at the height of his musical career, and then he decided to walk away from all of it in pursuit of something completely different. Here's Tom DeLonge during an exclusive interview with Jason McClellan and Maureen Ellsbury on their hit web series, Spacing Out.
2: I, uh, one of my first memories is being in seventh grade, where I was walking, I uh, had like an hour in junior high. It was like the first, you know, school kind of system in junior high level where you get to walk between classes, so you have a few minutes. I, for some reason, had more than a few minutes, so I had to go to the library. And I was walking to his library, and I didn't read books at all. Then, you know, in school, I was like, books? Who wants to read books? You know, I'm skateboarding and stuff. So I'm like, well, if I have to read a book right now, uh, I wonder if there's, like, any weird, like, UFO books. And I don't even know why that came to my attention. It was so odd, because that's... And all I found was a book that had something about one UFO and the Loch Ness Monster. But either way, it was cool, and it was in my school library. Um, and from that moment forward, it really sparked my interest. But it kind of... There was a gap there uh until i was able to actually afford to buy a computer so computers were really happening um when i was 20 21 that's like the beginning of the 90s like bam things are happening with computers so i signed a record contract and got my first paycheck and the very first thing i did was i went out and i bought this shitty like compact computer or something and uh i brought it home signed on and, the, and I, I think i just typed in like ufos or something or area 51 i don't even know there's the common term and at that time it popped up the desert rat papers do you remember the desert rat oh yeah yeah i forgot his name uh gore i want to say gordon or something or i don't remember i don't remember but it was it was the guy that lived in rachel nevada that just all he did was just blog and write about his ongoings at at monitoring area 51 because at that point part of you know, uh, the, one of the peaks looking in were free, he, so the Navy didn't really wrap up the entire mountain range. One part of it was open, so he was able to go in there and do some, do some quality stuff. And so I was instantly hooked. I'm all, this is like fiction, but it's nonfiction. It's even better.
1: DeLong would continue his pursuit, digging deeper and deeper into UFOs, which would eventually lead to a series of secret meetings with high-level government insiders.
3: The first time I met with a government official, it would have been in the back booth of a restaurant at an airport where I meet this, this person, he's a general, and he walks me into this vacant area of an airport restaurant, puts his briefcase down, waiter comes over to take a drink. And he puts his hand up and says, we were just having a conversation, we do not need anything. And the guy's like, well, okay, fine then. You know, whatever. He said, walked away. And then he looked me in the eyes and said, uh, it was the Cold War. And everything we did at the time was because nuclear war could break out any given day. It was a very real palpable threat. And somewhere in there, we stumbled upon the UFO phenomenon. And I remember right when he said that, my heart just started beating like crazy in my chest. I got all the chills. And the next conversation that happened for an hour at that booth was extraordinary, life-changing, and scary.
1: Those meetings would ultimately lead to an advisory board that would eventually make up to the STARS Academy of Arts and Science. The organization included an elite team of former government and defense contractor insiders who would work behind the scenes to socialize the topic of UFOs and persuade the government to reveal what it knows about them. That team originally consisted of Jim Semivan, Dr. Hal Putoff, Steve Justice, Chris Mellon, and Luis Elizondo. From there, we would eventually learn of the one secret Pentagon UFO program known as ATIP We'd see the now-famous Navy UFO videos shot off the West and East Coasts and officially acknowledged and released by the Department of Defense. And then we'd see, by request by the Senate Intelligence Committee, a preliminary assessment of the UFO phenomenon by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. All of this, in its weird and convoluted way, traced back to Tom DeLong. But it also traced back ...to the meeting with whom Tom would call the General... ...who would allegedly set up DeLong's team of advisors... ...and would lead DeLong down a path that is yet to be truly known. In November of 2016, WikiLeaks released a trove of emails from John Podesta... ...chair of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign... ...and, by all accounts, a huge advocate for UFO disclosure. Within those hacked emails were correspondence between John Podesta and none other than Tom DeLonge. In the emails, DeLonge would explain his meetings with the general. DeLonge would go so far as to name this general in the emails as one Major General William Neal McCasland. McCasland's career is definitely one that many UFO researchers have looked into with a curious eye. He retired from the U.S. Air Force as a major general after a 34-year career. He culminated his Air Force career as commander at the Air Force Research Laboratory at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where he led the USAF's $4 billion science and technology program. McCaslin is accomplished in applied technology management and intelligence programs, ranging from science and technology investment planning to on-orbit space operations. McCaslin holds a degree in astronautical engineering from the U.S. Air Force Academy. It would make logical sense for this to be not only the general in question, but a chronological string of experience that would make McCasland a very powerful force in both the United States military and in possession of the highest security levels of information pertaining to UFOs. Today, we're joined by three guests who have looked heavily into what could be the impetus for everything Tom DeLonge has done. Dating back to those very first meetings he had with elite members of the government and military, we will discuss the six degrees of General McCasland, and the subsequent chain of events that has led to where we are today, and where we may be going in the ever-evolving story of UFOs in 2021.
0: This is somewhere in the skies with Ryan Spread.
1: Welcome to this very special panel discussion today. I am calling this Six Degrees of General. McCaslin. And we have an awesome panel with us today. We have first and foremost from the debrief, Tim McMillan, not first and foremost. That's not a slight against <laughs> our other two panelists. Tim is here with us. We've got Zach Saichi, who is, I must quote, the only person on UFO Twitter who gets along with Mick West, Jeremy Corbell, Keith Floor, <laughs> Steve Bassett, but is somehow still blocked by George Knapp.
4: That's that's all true. true.
1: (laughs) From Project Human is with us, and last but not least, the newest member of the UFO Twitter family and community we have at Inference on Twitter, but she is allowing us to use her name for the first time ever on Somewhere in the Skies. Britt, welcome to this very special panel discussion. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun, guys. So, um, let's kind of let's set the stage for what we're doing here today. This is general. Neil McCaslin, who uh, some people might not even know who this dude is, um, or why he may be important to the discussion we're going to have today. And, um, you guys are kind of the ones who have brought this name up and been like, we might want to look a little further into this person, um, because mainstream media doesn't seem to want to do it. And, um, he might, might being the key word, uh, be the connector to a lot of what's going on today, maybe, but, um, let's start before we even get to general McCaslin. I want to get your guys initial thoughts of when to the stars Academy, which uh, I should mention, I've got a little shameless <laughs> promotion here today before, uh, before to the stars really started secret machines. Uh, your initial thoughts when Tom DeLonge first came forward and said that he was starting this Academy and all these um, advisors he was working with uh I, I'm not gonna lie. When I when I first heard about it, I'm like, "Holy shit! Is this it? Like, are are we doing this? Is this disclosure um, that we've always dreamed of?" So, what were your initial impressions when Tom DeLonge first started talking about this stuff, Zach? Let's start with you.
5: Sure, man. Thank you for having me on. By the way, it's uh, it's an you. honor to be on this show. Thank you. Uh, I thought of Dan Aykroyd. Really. Yeah, you know, do you remember? Uh, do you remember Dan Aykroyd came out a long time ago um, as you know, super into this stuff. In fact, like that's the reason why he, uh, you know, wrote Ghostbusters. You know, mm-hmm. he was really into paranormal weird stuff. And to me, it was like, okay, here's another celebrity coming out who is super into weird stuff. And I, honestly, on a surface level, I didn't think a lot more of it when it. F- when it first started to come fruition, come to fruition, because even prior to, to the stars, you know, Tom was doing interviews, talking about the UFO issue, talking about why it's important, you know, and he, I think he even did a couple of debates with skeptics and, and things like that. Um, you know, but then obviously everything that happened uh, with the New York times article um, and all the people that were involved "To the stars Academy, obviously it, it, um, raised my eyebrows, for sure. Uh, I didn't really know what to make of it. But, you know, as we're going to be kind of talking about on this show, one of the things that lended some amount of credibility to the efforts that he was making early on were actually those, those John Podesta 2016 WikiLeaks emails where it turned out, oh my God, he really was talking to John Podesta. He really was in communication with you know, high level officials and people that should have some kind of no, you know, they should know about this stuff. And so I started paying a little more attention. That's sort of the the short version, I guess.
1: Nice. Okay. Awesome. No, I love it, man. Because again, like, this was a kind of a key moment, because we now were learning of um, all these people Tom was working with, we all thought he was full of shit to be completely honest, until the Podesta emails came out, um, which I'm going to read the email in a little bit here. But um, Britt, let's go with you. What were your initial impressions when you first heard about, you know, this former Blink-182 dude saying that, like, he was going to disclose the truth on UFOs or or whatever his grand plans were? What did you think?
6: Well, um, I have to say, you know, first and foremost, like, I just recently got into this topic. Yeah. The 60 minutes episode on UAPs is actually what brought me over here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I'll never forget, like, the day that that aired, I was hanging out with a couple of my friends, right, from high school. And uh, one of my buddies, super into Blink 182. And he was just like, yo, Tom DeLong. Yeah. He's really into that stuff. I was like, oh, really? But besides that, I had no idea. First time I ever heard of Lou Elizondo was through that, right? And so, um, honestly, (laughs) I I, what should I say here? Like, I don't really have, like, any sort of uh, feeling or anything except for, like, that's sick, you know? Curiosity, yeah. Very (laughs) curious, you know? So, of course, like, when I was going through the WikiLeaks emails, when they first released, I'm pretty sure any curious mind, the first thing that they typed in on WikiLeaks was UFOs.
4: Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely.
6: And it's so crazy because, like, I never really listened to Blink 182. Like, I'm a weird 2000s kid, right? Like, very weird. Uh, I wasn't really into that scene, right? So, when I was going through the whole entire thing, I don't think it even clicked with me at the time. (laughs) It was Tom DeLong or who Tom DeLong was. Blink 182 didn't even click. But I'll tell you one thing I saw UFOs (laughs) and I saw a Roswell uh, crash. And I did also see a name, General McCaslin. So um, what do I think about it right now? Well, it's crazy. All of it's crazy. It is crazy that Tom DeLong was able to get a hold and get all these people together, all these credible figures together. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a couple things that don't necessarily add up. And I'm sure that a lot of us who have dug into the wikileaks emails and really dug into uh to the stars academy in general all think the same thing right just something's a little off
1: there something's off and we'll we'll, we will get there because Mm -hmm. i think you know that's that's kind of where we're at like to to the stars kind of came and then went and now we're kind of left like wondering right what, what, what do we do now and i think you know the fact that we're having this discussion today about a general who may not have even have been involved in this except for rumor and speculation and and we don't even know if this is the actual dude that tom talked to he says it but we'll get to that but um tim how about you my man when tom delong first came forward and all this happened and then boom new york times article what what do you got what were your initial impressions
7: well, yeah, I, uh, I was kind of late to the party. Uh, not as late as Brit there, but you know, I didn't pay any attention. You know, I wasn't a part of the UFO community or really paying attention to the topic in general uh, until you know late December 2017, when the New York Times came out and these videos started coming out, and so I kind of had to backtrack and listen. I think uh, the first thing I thought when I watched that initial press conference that was held back in October. Um, was that it was so freaking weird that they were clearly in an empty auditorium. Uh, I couldn't figure out why the hell they would do that. You know, it was so strange, Uh, especially for what they were saying they were going to do. But I think like anybody else, I I guess for me, not not coming from a UFO background per se, uh, it was strange to see people, you know, some of the people up there on the stage that I was at least vaguely familiar with, uh, people that that do have credential backgrounds, you know, like Christopher Mellon, Steve Justice, you know, working at Skunk Works at Lockheed Martin, Jim Semivan. and so it was just odd. <laughs> it was an odd right. mix to be there, and I guess I didn't. Uh, I, I guess because I didn't get to hear the news when it first came out in October. I probably didn't have the same response as a lot of people who it maybe wasn't as odd because I at least had the benefit of seeing them actually <laughs> do something in terms of releasing information and, and and being the ones to kind of break the news on ATIP and SAP and all of that. So, uh, you know, like Brit said, it, I guess in retrospect, it's weird and it's still weird, uh, but it's an interesting topic. It, maybe it's weird because it's a mix of weird but people that aren't weird (laughs) weird confluence uh yeah it's 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 the strangest lunch table in the the, uh, cafeteria it is the ultimate
1: uh breakfast club Tim. i think for sure right i um i remember so i i don't remember i think it was 2012 i was at the international ufo congress in um arizona and i'm sitting at a banquet table we're having like this this dinner and um i look up and in the corner is this tall lanky dude just standing there <laughs> like scoping out the room and listening to what was going on and lo and behold it was tom DeLonge. so She's i mean there. there you go man like this guy he was he's no slouch he didn't just get into this um he's had a fascination and interest for god years now ever since he was on the tour buses and stuff with a uh, blink but um he somehow wiggled his way into whatever it is that he came up with with to the stars and again i think a lot of us thought oh man like, this is all BS. Like, this is going to blow up in his face. And then, like Britt mentioned, the, the Podesta emails were leaked. And I'm just going to read right here the um, the email that really caught all of our attention. This was from Tom DeLong to uh, John Podesta. The subject was General McCaslin. There you go. The subject was literally General McCaslin. And Tom is saying to Podessa, he mentioned he's a skeptic. He's not. I've been working with him for four months. I just got done giving him a four hour presentation on the entire project a few weeks ago. Trust me, the advice is already been, um, has our, has already been happening on how to do all of this. He just has to say that out loud, but he is very, very aware and he was in charge of all of this stuff when Roswell crashed. It's an interesting way of wording it. When Roswell crashed, they shipped it to the <laughs> laboratory at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which we will get to. Um, General McCaslin was in charge of that exact laboratory up to a couple of years ago. He not only knows what I'm trying to achieve, he helped assemble my advisory team. He's a very important man. So I, 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 I mean, I, I don't know what else to say other than General McCaslin must be this individual. What, what do you guys think?
5: Right. I think um, we should provide a little bit of background, though, Please as that. to yeah. why why we think that, that that general is. Okay, so first of all, <clears throat> Tom DeLonge was going around in 2016, giving various interviews, and he was talking about and recalling this story uh, of this guy made that he called the general. Okay? There's a lot to this, but I'm being gonna be as brief as possible because there's just too much to get into. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Basically,
5: he had this, you know, you recalled this story, he had this airport meeting. You know, he had climbed the hierarchy of secrecy or whatever, and he has this airport meeting with this general, uh, just the general. And the general says, you know, we we found a life form and it was the Cold War, and basically gives him, you know, he feeds Tom this whole story. Um you know, the, like a, a new kind of core story of, of UFO mythology, I guess. Right. And it kind of sounds a lot like other core mythologies that we've heard in the past for, for, you know, this topic. And, you know, the reason why we, why I think that when, uh, you know, Tom is referencing, uh, you know, McCaslin in that email, why I think the general that he was talking about publicly and this General McCaslin that he's talking about privately, why I think they almost have to be the same guy is because he's talking about the exact same things like, oh, this guy who ran research at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the same base where, you know, they shipped the the Roswell crash or whatever. It has to be the same guy because the language is just too similar between his public interviews and what he's privately saying to John Podesta. So that's 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 my impression of it.
1: Right. Right. And I mean, again, like, I think when looking at the background of McCasland is when it really starts to fall into place. I mean, like you said, he worked at Wright Patterson. um, He worked at Los Angeles Air Force Base early on in his career. Um, I actually I talked to Don Schmidt this morning. Um, For any of our listeners who don't know, he was one of the he's one of the most prominent Roswell investigators out there. He's been looking at the case for a while. And I just like out of the blue, I message him. I'm like, hey, man. Like in all of your research into Wright Patterson and Roswell, like has General McCaslin ever come up and, um, he messaged me back immediately. He was like, yeah, funny. You should mention that. I, um, here's exactly what he said. Um, I met McCaslin at a luncheon at the petroleum club in New Mexico, but didn't know his connections to Wright Patterson at the time. Uh, once I got to really know more about him and what he was involved in, um, I reached out to him personally to talk about. The Roswell crash and possible wreckage, and he refused to comment on anything to me. So, um, interesting. Um, it doesn't really add to the story, other than the primary, you know, person looking at Roswell was kind of brushed off by McCaslin. And and I will say, I did reach out to General McCaslin um, in a very public sort of way uh, recently. No, no, like backdoor meetings or communication. But he did read my message. I know that for a fact. So, you know, as of the recording of this, he has not answered me back, but we will see. We will see. But, um, I guess, um, Britt, now, McCaslin is something you've been looking a lot into lately and you've been digging and making some connections. So what do you think is most important about this guy and why we should continue looking at him as, uh, possibly the person who set all of this into motion with Tom, the the people he's working with. Yeah, what do you think?
6: But yeah, it's just his background in aerospace technology, right? Um, he's He's got a very prestigious background. It's very impressive. And, you know, you can hear rumors, uh, just people in general just like to pass around the rumor about Wright-Patterson being, like, the base where they have, like, all the cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Of, like, E.T. and UFOs. Um, but, and, you know, another interesting thing about him is that he worked in the Kirtland uh, Research Facility. Right. Uh, You know, like, it's just, he has a lot of, like, interesting, like, connections in general to things that are, like, kind of, like, rumored to be associated with this, just, like, this whole entire phenomenon in in general, right? Are you
1: you familiar... Sorry, Sorry, Britt. I just want to ask, are you familiar with the Kirtland mythology when it comes to UFOs? Is that something you've looked into yet or no?
6: I am currently looking into it. Okay. I know that, you know, their focal point is just basically all like missile related research um, in space vehicles, uh, propulsion, stuff like that. But the mythology behind it, I know it exists. I mean, I've heard you talk about it, Mm -hmm. but I haven't personally looked into it just yet because you know there's just like an endless array of rabbit holes to fall into (laughs) while researching this uh phenomenon and um I i can honestly say genuinely say i have not covered all of it just yet i'm only just at the tip of the iceberg right now but mccaslin in general was just the most interesting to me right so i'm just steadily digging steadily digging
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Tim, what do you um what do you make of this guy? Now I know you you've spoken to a lot of people, including in your uh your three part series recently over at the debrief. Like, you know how these people react when it comes to UFOs. And you know, it's not something they ever want to touch. And it seems like, you know, this guy was willing to really cooperate with Tom, um, even when UFOs came up. So like, what do you think, man? Is this something that they saw an opportunity to work with this guy and just play him, or uh, yeah, what what do you make of the whole McCaslin thing? If you even think this is the dude that set this stuff all up,
7: well, I mean, that, we're down to the core, we're getting right to the heart of the real deal here. To just man. dig right into it.
1: <laughs> um, we're going I think, right to uh, the end
7: of the movie, yep. all right, man. Cool. <laughs> uh, I think, um, you know, I think it's an interesting. You know, the whole kind of it, it adds, like, like Zach said, it adds some really interesting mythology to it. Now, uh, one problem that I have with the whole McCausland story has nothing to do with what we just discussed and publicly out there. But it's just based on the simple fact that everything that we know and all inferences that we have to kind of make are based solely on just a single source. In this case, uh, Tom DeLonge. And And I'm sure we'll get into it in a little bit, but there's, you know, been some comments by Tom in different interviews at various points where it's called to question the veracity of some of what he's saying, um, you know, down to the pack, down to the fact that one could even question whether or not what explicitly Tom was saying in those emails uh, to Podesta was, was accurate, you know? So that's what makes it really difficult for me. You know, and I don't think I dispute. Uh, I think that it's, um, I would say with a high degree of certainty that uh, McCaslin is probably the quote general that uh, DeLong has referenced in, in numerous occasions. Now, beyond that, in terms of, you know, it was the cold war. We found a life form. I mean, that sounds like a great book for a book or a movie <laughs> um, or even the, the, you know, the information where he's saying, he's been helping me build my team out this type of stuff. Uh, you know, like you, like you mentioned, I've, I've, have had an opportunity, been fortunate to speak to a lot of people uh, who have either worked on these kind of UFO programs in more contemporaneous, uh, you know, more current, I should say, uh, timeframes, or even in the recent past, going back to ASAP, um, They do not, they, no one has shared that same sentiment with me that Kasdan uh, is like the smoking man from X-Files behind this. Um, all of that said, I think that it's totally understandable why Kasdan would come up. I think that, uh, you know, in turn, I mean, if you were going to write a script for it in, in the mythology, Kasdan's uh, a great character to cast. Uh, you know, down, I think Britt touched on it, his assignments, you know, not just, his career and specifically what he's done during his air force career is he had a number of posts and assignments where, you know, if there is more UFO involvement in the U S government than they let on, he certainly would be in a position to kind of know that, you know, going down to his initial assignments right out of, uh, you know, right out of college when he was first commissioned in the air force down at Los Angeles air force base, you know, in the early eighties, he would have been working on, uh, the Star Wars program. So a lot of, lot of right. satellite, a lot of missile defense stuff, uh, a lot of monitoring is very, very tense time frame there. And so, uh, you know, I think we mentioned this off the mic uh, when we were chatting about it, but one intriguing thing, and this just kind of comes from me, a background in law enforcement. You know, one of those roles was as a profiler. And so you start looking to see does behavior match w- what's being said? and it's interesting to me that the the quote about it was a cold war you know the threat of nuclear war was every day around us um that's actually you know consistent with what somebody in McCaslin's position uh, during the early 1980s would say frankly because it was a very tense time it was you know arguably one of the most tense times next to the Cuban missile crisis mm-hmm. and so I think that him being assigned there initially, uh, you know, if you're if there's enough reconnaissance and surveillance uh, and intelligence assets that are in uh, satellite space and in atmosphere space. If you've got stuff coming through and you're picking it up, obviously, there's going to be a conversation. Happen. You know, later in his career, he, he worked a lot of acquisitions and materials command related stuff, both at the Pentagon and then there at Air Force Research Labs. That's, that's specifically where he worked at Wright Patterson. Mm-hmm. uh, in the materials division. And so sure, you know, right. Pat has considerable history in, in the, the Roswell myths and the UFO myths and his specific command position w- would have been inside the materials doctor. And so, um, he's definitely kind of in all these right positions, but, uh, is what he said accurate? You know, I don't know. And that's what makes it difficult is because we only have one side of the story. And more than that, we don't even have a direct side of the story. So we have Tom who's made either general inferences about, quote, the general or we ha- we're we reading an email that, let's I'll let's be honest, was not meant for public consumption anyway. It was sent right. to the, the recipient. And so. You know, it's like if anybody combed through our emails, I bet you they could get all sorts of impressions that probably aren't accurate. <laughs> you know, you, you if you comb through somebody's text messages uh, because conversations go on, on the phone, they go on in person. So we don't know. There's a lot of unknowns there. And so it's difficult
1: for me. Right. Zach. Well, that brings up something that Zach has brought up in his uh, looking into all of this is um, Tom DeLonge and his admit admitting that he might have made some stuff up to get higher and higher up the food chain
2: Somehow you were able to not not only get people on the phone, but get people on the record and start really getting stuff out to the public that had never been available before. And that's a is that just
3: due to your sheer tenacity? It really kind of was. Uh, I basically the very beginning of it, I was playing a lot of very important people off each other. It was really kind of funny. I was just making things up. I was like, Hey, I'm talking to so and so, and I go to that guy. Well, like, Hey, I'm talking to so and so, and
1: you weren't talking to anybody. Oh, I
3: kind of was, but it was more like handshakes and hellos, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: Zach, do you want to comment on that and kind of how it plays into what Tim's saying there that like, we've got this one dude to trust when it comes to all this and, um, he's the lead singer of Blink-182. So take that for what it is.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there's so much here to sort of, it's a puzzle, right? And it's like, you're just trying to try to wrap your head around all these various pieces and we don't have the full context. So you've got to kind of infer certain things. Um, Right. And, and I actually, I don't like to infer things. I like to look at like, what can we prove here? <laughs> so what I can prove is Tom DeLong went on the radio on KROQ radio, um, you know, and said that he was essentially playing people off each other early on. Like, these are his words. He said, I was playing people off each other. In some cases, you know, he only, you know, it was like handshakes and hellos is the way he described it. You know, So, like, he took these handshakes and hellos and then went to other people and said, who knows, right? And we have to guess based on, you know, that, like, was he doing the same thing here with Podesta and McCasland, right? We don't know what Tom was saying directly to McCasland. We only know what Tom was saying about McCasland to Podesta, you know, which is why it would be really great. Uh, for for McCaslin to come out and kind of clear this up, and you know mm-hmm. the argument that I've been I've been railing on and making for a long time is this is something that really adds cred- credibility to Tom's story for people that are just looking at this and just kind of skimming the surface of things. It's like, well, look at this. Tom talked to General McCaslin. Look, he had a Google Hangouts meeting with him. Like he had a Google Hangouts meeting with freaking <laughs> McCaslin. Uh, Robert Weiss from Skunkworks. Skunk
4: Works, right?
5: Yeah, someone from um the Hillary Clinton campaign, who I won't name here because didn't you know, any doesn't matter. But uh, a, a group of people were part of this Google Hangouts meeting, and like, what the hell were they doing there? And you know, Tom follows up that Google Hangouts meeting, writing another email to Podesta saying, like, you know, this general General McCaslin, he says he's a skeptic. Trust me, he's not, you know, and again, that sounds a lot, very consistent with what Tom said on KROQ about like playing people off each other. Or like it, it's hard to establish a timeline. It's like, Tom, was this, was this an instance of you playing people off each other? Or were you actually in communication with this general who fed you this story? Like, it's very difficult to to get a handle on all this. But the reason why I think it's important is I look at like basic questions that you ask uh, going into anything um, and you look at important details. It's like, OK, Tom was certainly you know, in communication with these people. Um, let's go find out. Let's go talk to McCasland. Right. Mm-hmm. And look, I've tried. I've <laughs> I have done everything within my power <laughs> as a uh, not journalist. And not huge, you know, person. uh, I've done everything I can to try to get something out of McCaslin because my view is it's like either either Tom's story is true, uh, you know, and that would be interesting. Maybe we get like a no comment on Adam McCaslin. You know, he just says nothing. Or alternatively, everything here that Tom said in these emails is horseshit. Um, and McCaslin is hiding from the whole thing and not wanting to say anything because, honestly, he doesn't want his name any any more tarnished than it already is by this his attachment to this entire story. Either way, this is an important uh, piece of the puzzle to like we need to know one way or the other. And I, my argument to McCaslin, if he's out there somewhere listening, it's like, dude, I'm not the only one who's going to ask this question. I'm not the only person who's gonna who's gonna send you messages on facebook (laughs) right um and 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 in fact i would argue uh, even after he you know passes away people are gonna keep like this is how ufo mythology works this stuff sticks forever it's like if you have something to say about this it would be really good for you to come out and say something about it because it it is a loose hanging fact Right, that is just kind of hanging out there, and it will just become part and incorporated with the larger UFO mythology unless it does get cleared up. So, um, I would hope that journalists will, you know, reach out to McCasland, and, and I would hope that McCasland understands why it's important for him to say something one way or the other about this.
1: You bring up so many good points, Zach, especially the fact that, like, um, in you're right in ufology you will become like a myth when it comes to this so it's like if you really want to be known as the general who possibly you know <laughs> was feeding tom de a bunch of either bullshit or truth um so like if, be it if that wasn't true
5: i wouldn't i i would want to disentangle that for people especially so and i really want to not to interrupt but like i really want to explain why i think it's important If I'm McCasland and I see the last four years play out, starting with To the Stars Academy, to the the New York Times article, to the classified UAP briefings, to now the Pentagon has literally released a report on UFOs, this is important because it all started effectively with Tom DeLong and the formation of To The Stars Academy and that core group of people that were part of To The Stars Academy, right? We've still got Mellon and Elizondo and all these other people kind of in play continuing to talk about this. So when I I look at journalists kind of looking into this stuff, I, I am a bit critical because it's like no one is circling back and like going, okay, where did this start? And can we trust any of this? Because Mm. I see a scenario that could, it could be multiple things. One of the hypotheses I have, you know, uh, among many, I personally think there's something to this, but another hypothesis might be, these are all people kind of chasing their own shadows, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, like you hear something from one person and you think it's good enough to follow up with action, say, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff here and none of it's verifiable, like none yeah. of it. And I go, I, I just, I'm just like, can we verify something just, and, and, the, and, and, and the McCaslin thing is like, okay, well, here's the origin of Two the Stars Academy. Tom said that this guy helped him assemble his advisory team. Is that true? It's like question one on the list, right? I've got a yeah. long list of questions, but like, this is the first one and somehow it's gone unaddressed. For four freaking years. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, no, that's, no. Why I, that's why I care. <laughs> What'd you say, Brit? Yeah,
6: it's technically longer. It's because uh, I think those emails leaked November. Yeah,
1: yeah, five years. Well,
6: October and November uh, twenty sixteen so it's like yeah, five years.
1: That brings five up years. something really interesting too. Like we have to go back to, um, and I'm so glad you used "Chasing Shadows," Zach. Um, obviously, being the first book in these this series that Tom. Um, Sort of pitched to all oh, these people.
5: Drop there, yeah,
1: yeah. Good job, my man. You know what you're doing. Um, but we don't even know because we know Tom originally kind of compiled this advisory board with this possible general, and um, then the emails leaked, and a lot of them got cold feet and were like, "I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I'm out." Like my name, I'm done.
0: Yeah. So,
1: like, that's another big question too. So, is Melon? Is Elizondo? Are these people? that he did eventually work with into the stars, the actual people that the original general assembled. We, we, we don't even know that at this point, unless I'm completely off base with that. I don't know, but it, it seems like a lot of this really started with um secret machines, which I think kind of took the back seat when all of this other stuff started happening with the Navy UFO videos and, and everything. It's kind of like his original pitch kind of went to the, you know, the back burner for a little bit. And now look at where we are. Less than two years after To the Star started, it's already basically gone. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Is that something anyone else wants to comment on? But we don't even know if this is the original people that Tom was talking to that eventually ended <clears throat> up in the Academy.
7: No, you're right. There's a ton of unknowns there. And, you know, I'll share because I have followed up someone. And I think Zach brings up a, a extremely significant point is understanding the origin of it uh because it becomes problematic uh, you know if you you know, don't look into that and you ju- it requires you to just take the word of Tom along that that also requires you to begin digging into other things that he said and and frankly Tom said a lot of crazy shit uh you know if anybody's watched the Joe Rogan interview anything like that and so you have to start saying well is that true is this true so you know trying to to sift through all of that is a difficult <laughs> venture, uh, in, especially when you've got this other real thing that, uh, you know, the government's talking about, they're releasing reports about, but then you've got all this other stuff mixed in. But, uh, you know, I did dig into it some, and I will say that, uh, only in background conversations, nobody wanted to speak on the record. Um, for various reasons. And, and, you know, one of them oftentimes being because if anybody who's actively employed by the Department of Defense, uh, whether they're active duty military or civilian, they, they can't, <laughs> you know, they're not supposed to talk to reporters. Yeah. Uh, they get a lot of trouble. But uh, no one shared, you know, no one has ever corroborated Tom's story to me. You no know, yeah. one has ever, you know, made it sound like he's made it sound. Um, you know, it has been told to me that Tom, uh, you know, is very much Tom-like in that, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, there's no secret sauce to how I get a hold of people. It's just like what Tom did, which is reaching out to people. You know, if you ask enough people, somebody says yes, and you just kind of work your way there. And I think that, uh, to some extent, I'll say, you know, just now, uh, playing devil's advocate here and speaking on his speaking on his benefit that it wasn't as nefarious as it might've sounded in the interview where he said he was playing people off of each other. You know, that's what journalists do is if you can get, you know, I, if you, you can email somebody and say, Hey, I've been chatting with John Podesta. And so I was wondering if I can chat with you, you know, this type of thing. Cause <laughs> it's uh nobody wants to be the first person to talk to the press, uh, but they don't mind if others have. And so that it could be just simply that um, just about all journalists do that. Um, but, everybody has kind of shared it that uh, Tom was just really good at reaching out to lots of people. You know, he, he is, you know, you know, even though Brit, what do you say, you're a child of the two thousands, I feel very old right now because I grew up with. Uh, well, I'm technically you know, a '90s kid, but you know, I was a
6: teenager, oh, and then
7: she's mm-hmm. right on the cusp.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I feel yeah.
7: it. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, fine. well, I can still remember being in high school jamming out to Blink, and oh, you know, dude, so
1: me too, too. Yeah, I'm with you,
7: Tom. Tom's got a name out there, so it's not just a random person, and and so he reaches out. You know, it was shared to me that at least initially, a lot of people. Hey, you know, hey, it's Tom Long. I know this dude, you know, and uh, that this was a project very much like you said, that the impetus behind it was the secret machines. It was this intermixing of fiction, nonfiction, like I'm going to tell a story of what's supposed to be the truth through fiction format. And so a lot of these people who initially spoke to Tom were under this impression that they were just giving advice for a fictional movie or book. Right. And, which afforded them the ability to use fictional stuff. <laughs> and 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 uh, that's not to say there that Tom, you know, is overtly lying to anybody. That's what you know, I, I I end up saying this a lot to people is that the truth tends to be very mundane and it's not mm-hmm. nearly as sophisticated. And, the, and you know, there's not this grand scheme that often people think is that, uh, you know, Tom very well could have gone into some of these meetings saying, hey, I want to write this book and make it really realistic and it's about UFOs and everything and and uh you know can you give me some advice and pointers wink wink and he's yeah. thinking well, what they're telling me they're saying it's for the book but they're just saying that cuz they can't really you know break security oaths wink wink meanwhile they're on the other side going oh why does this dude keep winking at me? He was a punk rocker, you know, Yeah, <laughs> he lived a rocker lifestyle. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way that everybody that I've spoken to about it has, has said, it. but like Zach says, until somebody's willing to go on the record for it, this is just me telling you what somebody's told me, whether anybody yeah. wants that or not. Yeah. Fine. I don't expect anybody to. And I agree that kind of some clarity here would be good. I understand, at least initially, some of the people I spoke to, this was when TTSA was more together and you had Mellon and uh, Steve Justice and and Elizondo there. So maybe they didn't want to shit on those people's new employer, but that's kind of dissolved. And so I think either just getting some truth there, and, and I think because that's what becomes very frustrating with all of this, is that you have something that I think is legitimately interesting here. When the government's releasing reports saying that you know, 144 incidences, I don't really give a shit if it's only one of those instances (laughs) that's got something really exotic. Like that's enough for me. I know people want to argue on Twitter about you know whether the 2019 events were drones or UFOs. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I only need one. If one of them is interesting, it's (laughs) worthwhile of scrutiny. And so when you've got 144 of them, and then they're mentioning you know a, a handful that have very interesting characteristics. I'm like, that's really fascinating. But it's hard to dig into just that and get everybody to kind of focus on that because there's all these other little pig trails that go down there. And so it would be very nice to get clarity, whether it's McCaslin, whether it's GGSA, whether it's Geelong. So we can just sweep that to the side. No hard feelings. You know, like I'm not mad if it's all a big misunderstanding, but let's kind of get through that, because if not, even if it's just that one interesting something, it gets lost in the yeah. mix. And I it's think exactly. that's happened for decades. Yeah. Yeah, right. go ahead, and Brent. another
6: thing, too, is like, uh, so, McCaslin would say it's like a fiction book, right, that he was working with, but, you know, there's some conflictions there, right? Um, just uh, assuming that he is talking about McCaslin in this particular email to Podesta, um, it's a uh, the title of the email is Podesta and UFOs, right? And part of this uh, email, he says, because of his maturity on the topic, he has consistently given important information to help communicate. He helped me create my thesis, Three Secret Machines, nonfiction books coming out after the novel. Mm -hmm. And that the thesis is what gained my friendship with the very important general from Wright Patterson that was on our call. So You know, I can't help but to assume like Zach said earlier. I mean, there's just the, the language there. Right. It causes you to just assume that he is talking about McCaslin. Right. So, you know, that part right there. Right. That that's what we really need, like, transparency and clarification. Like, I understand, like, it kind of sucks to get your name out there to the public because some Russian hacker group decided to hack John Podesta and this famous rock star just kept naming yeah. you or just like <laughs> put you in there. Like I did it. Right. Like I would just the same position. you like, I don't want to go out. I had nothing to do with this. Yeah. But Thank you,
1: Assange. Time,
6: you know, like, especially with this topic going on the news, becoming a thing, Congress is talking about it. Now, obviously it's a big deal. So, I mean, you're going to have people, especially people like us who like to dig really deep. <laughs> just be like, what is this? And like, yeah. I really wish well, it would just come out and
1: clear. I know a little bit. I think we're all on the same page that like just one comment from McCaslin would be enough to kind of put a lot of this, um, I guess, speculation to rest. But the big frustrating thing for me, and this is since the beginning of when he did all this was the whole approach of half fiction, half-truth, because god damn, welcome to ufology. We, that's <laughs> right. all we deal with, is two right. lies between a right. truth. And the minute he said right. that, I was like, we're never going to know what's true Why? and what's not. And Tom was like, UFO people, Read between the lines. I know you guys. Read between the lines.
5: My whole plan here (laughs) is to do like professionally exactly what has already been (laughs) done for 70 years by everybody. (laughs)
4: Right.
5: Which is tough.
1: But and I think, you know, the other big the important thing, and I think Tim stressed it most, is that Tom is not he's a smart person and you're right i think the way that he worked these people isn't so much deceptive but it's what someone would do and it's what they do for a living a lot of these people i mean is a nice guy but you can't tell me that he has not spun things he has not manipulated things uh that was his job um so i i think it's really interesting tom like he he went into the lion's den and he played their game and like whether you like it or not um and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh where where we stand with everything today. But Zach, what were you gonna say, man? Um well,
5: the cojones on Tom. So like I full credit to Tom, regardless whether sure. this is true or bullshit or whatever. Um, the fact that he went in and did the things that he did, let, let's say for the sake of argument that it's true, like he was just playing people off each other. Cool. Like
4: honestly, <laughs> I it's it,
5: exactly. Really, from the story for me um it, it actually makes it even more more funny or interesting or whatever because here's the thing here's the thing regardless whether or not this this general McCasland actually like sincerely believed the things that he supposedly told tom or if that was bs like it doesn't really matter here we are several years later and the government has now issued a report on uap and anybody who's been following this for the last, you know, four or five years, it's like mm-hmm. you—you you can draw a straight line between TTSA and all the stuff that Tom DeLong was doing early on. To now, the people who are involved in literally lobbying the government are all the same people. Kudos to you, Tom. Like
4: <laughs>
5: yeah. my thing is, I—I I just want to disentangle the—the—the the, the complete crap from what's really interesting here. Because it's important if if the government found a life form during the Cold War or not, right and, <laughs> and the only person who can clarify this at this point and you know if look, and if Tom made that up or whatever, like I feel for you, McCasland, I wouldn't want to come forward either, but man, like with the given the severity of the issue and the gravity of what's currently playing out in the media, now would be a good time. Is kind of the argument that I would make, and and again, it's like you don't want to comment on this. You don't want to tarnish, tarnish your name or whatever.
6: Evidence. Only yeah. once. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be done. Yeah. I see.
5: I see you're... no downside to him coming out at this point, other right. than like exactly. fear of an embarrassing Tom. Like, okay,
1: yeah, like, maybe they you, are besties now. We don't really know, but like, right, Zach, you're so right, and like, yeah. Britt, you came around when like with the 60 Minutes stuff and, like, even the the report just coming out and the primary focus being to shed the stigma and ridicule of military personnel reporting UAP events. And, like, that's a huge admission and a huge switch from what they have done in the past. So, like, that's awesome. And you would hope that something like that would make people like McCaslin be like, Ah, oh, maybe yeah. Maybe it's okay that I like say that I put Tom in touch with people. And
5: hey, Tom, everything Tom said would it, it could be true. Yeah, these are emails that like nobody wanted coming out, right? Yeah, I I don't know. I have to infer. I have to make guesses here. And th- th- this is the thing, and why I would like McCaslin to talk. It's like I don't want to guess if there's you know either come out with a no comment if there's some truth to it, or come out with a comment saying hey uh tom reached out for a fictional ufo book and we were just chatting back and forth and he's tom freaking delong of course i talked to him like
4: you (laughs) you know like i don't care
5: either one of those is cool with me my point is like Again, I like to I like to go into the origins of things and 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 understand things as best as I can. And when something sticks out like a sore thumb, like this McCaslin thing, again, that adds all this credibility for people to the whole story. It's like we really got to work this out because, regardless whether it's BS or not, we still have Elizondo, we still have Mellon. we yes. still have these people coming going around in the media. We still have them lobbying government and. And you know, actual, at least two that I'm aware of, U- classified UAP briefings that were given to senators. On top of and then and then on top of that, it's like we got this report, ninety pages of which are classified. This actually all has happened because of these people. So, but it's yeah. important to establish these 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 facts about what happened early on. I think in order to be able to disentangle the rest of the story if that makes any sense
1: absolutely man well and i think um that brings us to current day which is two follow-up questions i want to ask you guys is um you know tom has been kind of quiet about everything going on right now with the uap report and this and that and you would think he would be like kind of taking credit for like i got i know he's put some tweets out like this was because it to the stars, this, that. Um, but he seems to have been unusually quiet with that. Maybe it's because he's focusing on the entertainment side of things with his band and his movies. Um, but my question for you is, uh, do you guys think, and I maybe this is going out on a limb, do you think the plan all along was like to get Tom to do this stuff and then for it to all dissolve? Like, you see, you got Steve Justice went and is now working for Virgin Galactic. You got Elizondo starting a startup company. Like, they all kind of came in, did their thing, and now they're all leaving. And kind of leaving Tom in the dust alone with all this. So, like, do you think this was some sort of concerted effort to, like, dissolve this company that he had these big grand plans for all along? Or am I going really out on a conspiracy limb with that? Be honest. Be honest. (laughs) Well, I I I think think that
6: consider every every avenue. You know, like yeah, you you gotta consider it. So I don't
1: think it it just seems odd to me that that they would all just leave this company that, like, they seem to be so dedicated to at the beginning. I don't know. What do you think, Tim?
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's weird, but it doesn't have to be as conspiratorial or kind of again nefarious as it sounds. I think that if uh, you know, let's say you're you're Lou Elizondo, you're uh, Chris Mellon, you're Steve Justice, and the rest of them, and you legitimately believe that there are to this UFO subject, you you recognize that there's evidence that maybe hasn't been presented, and you feel like it needs to be taken seriously. Uh, I think you know, and, and and Zach's right in terms of, and I don't want anybody to think that. Uh, I'm bashing DeLong by any means when I said that he said some crazy shit. Uh, you know, hopefully he'd agree with me. Uh, but he is a very successful businessman and he's very successful. And, and I think that when it comes down to how he was successful in kind of getting to meet these people, it shows his, his savvy in business. And it shows that you know, he's been successful, not just in the band that he helped form with Blinkwood 82, but his after that, his career, his other ventures, he, he's successful. And, and, but one thing he is, is he's loud and he draws a lot of attention and, and there's something to be said about the crazy shit. He says, you know, uh, you know, what other interviews did, did Joe Rogan do in November of 2017? I don't know. I know he interviewed Tom DeLong
4: yeah. <laughs> because Good of what point. he said.
7: And so it generates a significant amount of attention. However, once you get that attention, uh, if you're going to bring it into the realm of legitimacy, and you're, you're having actual briefings with uh, elected lawmakers, and you're, you're sitting in front of the Joint Chiefs and the Secretary of Defense and these people. Uh, suddenly, you know, the guy who's the leader of the company tweeting about alien Antarctic bases and, and Nazi conspiracies that's not really conducive. And <laughs> that's not going to, no, no longer is it good. You've gotten that attention. So uh, I don't think it has to be kind of a grand crazy conspiracy. I know a lot of people think that this is, and in some of those theories, quite frankly, have been, uh, you know, helped fostered by, by DeLong himself, that there's more of a, you know, government organized kind of involvement in this and, and the bringing about a disclosure with a capital D. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think it has to be that per se in, in, a, in an organized government fashion. I think if you're, you're, savvy and you know how to strategize things well, which uh, I think is, I don't think anybody would argue that uh, somebody like Chris Mellon (laughs) is very good at. And so uh, I don't think Tom, you know, for a long time, I was like a lot of people like, what the hell are these people doing with Tom DeLong? But it generated a ton of attention. Uh, And I'm not so sure that that same type of attention could have been achieved by any one of those individuals uh, without Tom.
1: Oh, that's such a, such a good point, Tim. Um, The fact that we are where we are today, like we got an official Pentagon report. Maybe it wasn't what we all wanted or expected, but like this all built up to something that I don't think even Tom DeLonge saw happening. He probably thought that a lot of this was going to happen with his company and like he was going to build a spaceship, an anti-gravitic spaceship, and uh, fly <laughs> off to Mars, like mission accomplished, man. That's freaking awesome. But like, look at where we are today and like I I do and I've wanted to say this for a really long time and I haven't just come out and said it but like thank you Tom DeLonge like literally just thank you for what you did and like kind of putting putting it all out there and um he had a lot to lose with this with his reputation and whatnot and say what you want about where he is now and everything but like he really got a lot of this into motion and you know, maybe McCaslin as well, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just how the much, fanboy coming out in me. I don't, I was I don't saying,
7: know. How much have you had to drink, Ryan, man? You're this getting is all only, emotional. I love you, Tom, man. I swear to God, man. Welcome to Tom
1: DeLong fanboy
7: hour. <laughs> no, no, dude. I, I like it. <laughs> if I was McCaslin, and if you're listening out there, uh, General, <laughs> I, just respond to Zach. <laughs> all you have to do yes, is, please. is say yeah. one line. It was the Cold War and we found a life form. <laughs> Period, sin. And let, that like never answer another
1: one. Like how awesome would that be? Oh my God. <laughs> if anyone could get it out of him, I think it would be Zach for sure.
5: I sent him a very long, heartfelt uh message on Facebook, you know, just letting him know, like, look, this stuff's really important to me, here's why. And uh you know, for him, I don't think it's I don't think it is that big of a deal, to be honest. I think um I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think that probably for him, he's probably like, I don't, I don't think a lot about this and like, I'd rather just get away from it. Um, this is a total guess on my part, but I, that, you know, I, um, I still think it's important because again, this is, this is my wannabe journalist coming out, I guess, just establish the ba- the basic facts here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you know, there's a lot of other really interesting things about those emails that we haven't really even gotten into. Um, oh, yeah. Do you mind? Yeah. Well, give us so, a couple I mean, key points. Uh, look, Hillary Clinton is the one who introduced us to the term UAP. Now, that's not the first time the term was used, but it was certainly the first t- time that the American public it was it was put in the zeitgeist hmm. of the American public was she said it on Jimmy Kimmel's show. Well, who was the advisor to Hillary Clinton? It was John Podesta. Who was Tom talking to? John Podesta. There's a lot of stuff here, right? And and Hillary, by the way, was talking about this issue, not just like once, but like five or six times where she Ooh. brought up UFOs and the UAP issue and talking about, yeah, we're going to get the files. She said the same thing that her husband said, right? And was she doing that to get votes? Doesn't seem like a great, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the calculus is on that. Um, Is the UFO vote huge? (laughs) I doubt it. I bet it's like actually the other way. But Right. Right. And and so it's interesting to me just looking at the people who were involved. John Podesta. um, There were a couple other people involved with the Hillary Clinton campaign that Tom was emailing with. And, you know, the insinuation has been from that whole group of people that like Hillary was going to be the disclosure president.
4: She Mm -hmm. was going to be
5: the one to like, to do this. And nobody thought that, that it was even remotely possible that Trump could win. Right. You know, we're not going to get political, but like nobody thought it was, these people did not think it was possible. They thought Hillary was going to be the one. And the, a bunch of people surrounding her were (laughs) UFO believers. Okay. Mm -hmm. These are high level
1: People in government, right? It's interesting. I well, Zach,
5: have i have to make note of
4: it.
1: That's such a good point. And I think Tim, I think it might have actually been you that I heard maybe on Micah Hanks' show um, or some something similar, saying where we would be in all where we we would be in all of this had Hillary become president and not Trump. And I, Tim, was it you that said like we would probably be a lot further had Hillary won than? I don't know. Am I wrong?
7: was Yeah, it wasn't me. And, and okay, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I will. Maybe it was Steve. Right I'm. Trying. Oh, oh I'm. Mean, thank. Thanks for confusing me with. Steve I Asset. know. I'm so uh, sorry, man. What I'm a- leaving? No, no I'm sh- just kidding, Steve. If you're listening, uh, Ryan's
4: getting wrinkles. Yeah,
7: I'll bring a new wrinkle up into all of that. Ooh. though, because I don't think it's been discussed by anybody. But I yeah. think it's it's it goes into what
1: Zach's saying here. Hey guys, Ryan Spreck here. When I'm not making podcasts, I am listening to them. Seriously, I'm obsessed. And if there's one person and one show I turn to every week to hear stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained, it's of course gotta be Jim Harold's Campfire. With over 500 episodes, Den of Geek called Jim Harold's Campfire the best tool we have currently in existence to hear real-life scary stories from other human beings since the actual campfire was invented. The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to other regular folks and strange stuff that's happened to them. And yes, that includes UFOs and UAPs, along with cryptids, ghosts and true head-scratching mysteries. One of my all-time favorite stories is one where a woman almost ended up being absorbed by a painting in a mysterious bar that seemed like something straight out of the Twilight Zone. Or there's the story of a young man who encountered a spider-like creature with baby hands. Then, there's the story of a woman in England who encountered what she thought was a banshee, only to suffer a horrible tragedy only moments later. Now, not all of the stories in Jim Harold's campfire are horrifying. Some are actually pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, there are true and fascinating stories told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. So, pull up a virtual log, get cozy, and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Someone in the Skies.
0: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.
7: <laughs> okay, where did those WikiLeaks emails come from? We know that they came from Fancy Bear, which is uh GRU and the Russia's you know hacker group. Okay, mm. um, so they hacked those emails in early 2016. They didn't publish them on WikiLeaks until what was it, the fall of uh 16? Yeah, right before, yeah. The, before the
1: election, yeah, right okay, before, yeah, so, like days yeah. or not even hours, I think. Yeah, right, all, all they knew good, what they were doing. All,
7: all good, yeah, information warfare strategy, but they had those early on. And if you go back and look at early on, shortly after they obtained those emails, look into Russians, Russia's English language news outlets. So RT and Sputnik, they started pumping, pumping UFO tabloid news into English reading markets. They were dumping it hardcore. Uh, in fact, you can even find uh, one foreign policy Uh, journalists commenting early summer 2016 saying what the hell is going on with Russia and UFOs they've become obsessed and they're dumping it on the American public so they knew it was going to be something which is very intriguing to all of it and I think the other side of all of that as well is and what comes into not just McCaslin clarifying some things but also Podesta uh Tom Delong and a lot of other people is that one thing that plays through my mind is that uh you know part of how russia's information warfare campaigns go through is they're masters at adding things in uh, they did it when the um the snowden leaks when you see the snowden leaks, everything in the entire snowden leaks was was uh capabilities you know what the nSA can do all these hacking capabilities only one single file showed operations, and that was them uh, listening in and spying on uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel. That was the only operational file in there, and so that, uh, you know, it's never been confirmed, but that's been reported that Russia just added that in. Now, that was probably a legitimate intelligence intercept on their part, but they're notorious for adding things in, and, and including adding total bullshit Yeah, they did it. uh, You know, the KGB was masters at this where they would actually get legitimate classified information, uh, cables and different things from the U.S. And then they would just add little things in amongst actual classified information that they did it in uh, the mid to late 80s with uh, information saying that the, the United States had nukes hidden in different cities across the world and all this kind of stuff. Total bullshit. But everything around it was legitimate secrets. Well, the government, because they know, I mean, it's a great info warfare play because the government's not going to comment on anything they don't, they've never commented on the the Snowden leaks. They don't comment on anything like that. So they're not going to say, BS because that'll say everything else is legitimate. Right. So they can deny talking about everything. Uh, and so that's, uh, that adds to the kind of mystique and intrigue here. And in that, what I mentioned with that single source that we just have Tom talking on behalf of conversations that he has with it is I think, like Zach said, for me, it's not just establishing what were those communications, but are all of these communications legitimate? (laughs) Because that is, we we have to understand where that information came from. And it did absolutely come from Russian hackers. It came from an information warfare campaign.
1: I'm so happy you brought that up, man. Like, look at what (laughs) just the debrief just released too. It was all these like, Kind of satirical things about the U.S. being like, calm down about the UFOs, guys. Um, that's, ah, that's so telling, man. It's like this is all a counterintelligence sort of game. I think China's playing right now, Russia, and like who's really at the top of all this stuff going on in the U.S. I don't know.
7: Well, no, you're absolutely right, and that's something that uh, you know I'm actually working on my, the next big piece uh, gosh, let's hope the Kremlin isn't listening, but it has to do with that. And, um, it has to do with Russia's involvement in the UFO subject that they don't want to talk about, that they do want to talk about. And, you know, I'm not trying to, like Zach said, we're not going to get political here. So I don't want everybody to go, oh, it's the goddamn Russian hoax again. Uh, so I'm not blaming the Russians for everything here. Uh, and more importantly, I'm blaming the Kremlin, not the Russian people. They're great people. It's their government that's mean, but. I would say that there's significant evidence that Russia has been involved in uh, some of the UFO mythology that we take as self-evident fact going back to the 1980s. And so there goes not to add a new wrinkle into everything that you've got to parse through to figure out what is true and what isn't, but how many UFO myths that we have accepted as fact now or we've played off as being illegitimate, but they're hoaxes perpetrated by people we assume. Or were they just legitimate information operations done by a foreign government? And mm-hmm. I think that's a very significant point, because, you know, again, it's, uh, you know, give the devil the due. Uh, you know, it's, it's off with smart credit. If I make you believe that there's crashed UFOs at Air Material Command at Army Air Force Research Labs at Wright-Patterson, and you track down all of these people and you keep talking about it and you keep putting it out by UFOs, I may not even believe you're going to get UFOs. But damn, if you can get some good actual secrets, you know, somebody. I'm not working on UFOs. I'm working on directed energy. Oh, Sergey, you hear that? You know, it's good work on their part. And so, yeah, yeah. Just well, add uh, well, uh, uh, uh,
5: Tim. It turns out. <laughs> I am actually Russian the whole time.
7: Dude. <laughs> dude, that, dude, that's a great accent. Yeah, I'm probably going to get the <laughs> microwave beam. Yeah, I'm going to get the microwave.
1: This
7: is me, Vasya. <laughs> the Havana syndrome is coming right here. Shit.
1: Zach, uh, you got a good um, Russian accent there, man. I like, yeah, did it the really whole good. time. Yeah, <laughs>
5: really good. Uh, I work with many Russian people in past. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I love dude, it. it's an excellent It's genial. an
7: excellent one. It's an excellent one. And, and, And I want to make sure that everybody knows I'm not trying to make Russia the boogeyman here, but I do think there are, I mean, down to the fact that, uh, you know, one of RT's darlings is Stephen Greer, because why the hell not? I mean, he's like a propaganda gift from God, you
1: know? I'm so (laughs) So, happy you went there, man, because I I wanted to, I wanted to touch on that. Um, Yeah, you know,
7: no, I was, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what is it? It's the, you, I mean, it's. It's the US government is the boogeyman and everything. And, uh, you know, but it's never Russia or it's never China. Like, it's like the US is the one who's going to do the alien false flag. I'm like, well, what the hell is everybody else going to do? Sit around and <laughs> hang out? You know, like, so, you know, again, but, you know, you've, you know, uh, Greer has done interviews on RT, which, like I said, you can't pay for that. Maybe they do pay for it. I don't know. But, yeah. but they, you can't pay for that kind of gold where they're talking about, you know, I've oh, had CIAs killed members of my team. You know, I have to be careful. I mean, they're like, God, <laughs> we,
1: uh,
7: we, we have to call well, Oliver Stone for that kind of good stuff.
1: Right, man. Get him on the <laughs> script. Well, let me ask you guys this kind of in wrapping things up here um, where we are today. We have the Pentagon here in the United States. Flat out saying, it's not Russia that we know of. It's not China that we know of. They're nowhere near where we are with advanced technology. And it's not U.S. technology. So where does that leave us? I mean, a lot of the very pro-UFO people are like, that's their way of saying it's aliens. It's aliens. <laughs> well, guys, calm, calm the fuck down. Like, Let's be completely honest here. But um, where does that leave us? What is the Pentagon trying to tell us? Or what are they trying to tell other, you know, adversaries in that statement that it's not them, it's not us? What could it be? I mean, where is the boogeyman in all of that? And why is this still a potential threat in their eyes? Who wants to comment on that? I
6: mean, it really could be a burden. I need to explain myself by saying that. that, um, Well, I can imagine that they can look at, like, let's say flight logs uh, to see if that was our technology. And so if it doesn't match up, well, obviously it's not. Um, if it's not Russian or uh, Chinese technology, well, this is an unidentified object.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: It's not our tech. It's a little blob floating around. It could be a bird. <laughs>
5: Kind of, we've got a we've got a uh not, an aspiring
1: mick west exactly. on our hands here. this is guys. amazing <laughs> yeah.
7: a really fascinating <laughs> I, I seagull I, I but, know, so i mean but
1: she but makes a point
7: though she makes she makes a point and i want to clarify it because <laughs> i see it on twitter when my name gets tagged every now and then
4: um <laughs> first and
7: foremost because it was to zach so uh, Zach, I'd like to say that me and me and Tom Rogan were correct when we said it was we had ninety nine percent certainty that it was not US technology or a foreign state actor. Good call was,
5: see what you did there.
7: Yes, that is what we said. But it was interesting because okay. people I've since like people type, but McMillan and Rogan said it's alien. And I'm like, No, no, no. No. Nope. I said I was ninety nine percent certain it wasn't US or not, not or state actor. Not man made. Right. That doesn't rule out uh, you know. Of atmospheric birds. phenomena, it doesn't <laughs> rule out birds, it doesn't rule out, it, in fairness, it doesn't rule out aliens. I'm just saying, like, exactly. you know, based on the totality of, of what we have at hand, uh, we can say with pretty good certainty there. And um to answer your question, right, what does that mean? I don't know. You know, that's what's intriguing there. And I think for me, uh, maybe it's not as, uh, my expectation isn't as broad that people are like, all oh, 144 have to be alien quite frankly I'm not even certain that in the balance of probabilities that alien is the best scenario of all the exotics frankly you know <laughs> there's a lot of other exotic things and in fact uh you know a- <laughs> ancient aliens have been running for 18 seasons if you listen to that they- they've been here for you know how many thousands tens of thousands of years of shit. at what point are they native you know <laughs> not alien anymore but They're the aliens yeah for sure
4: right, right? yeah so
7: uh there well, is, let me- there's a well
1: you that you touch on something we that seems to be the narrative that's being pushed by a lot of people right now is it's not human but we don't mean it's alien so like what does that mean we're hearing people say it's like interdimensional it's time travelers it's this it's that like it seems to be across the board people like elizondo people like george knapp um jim semivan they're all saying eric davis that this is it's like a neighbor next to us that we never knew was there. Like, what do you guys think about that shadow biome?
7: Uh, I listen, I've always said that if I had to pick all of them, just cause I, you know, I, I like tragic irony is that, uh, you know, it turns out that it's, uh, you know, we all live in a big simulation. We're all in some AI and it's just the engineers in the system. And then, you know, we find that out. We're like, oh, my God, this is horrible. There's something we don't want to know. Like, it doesn't matter. You can be deleted at any moment. Yeah. Uh, and so I, yeah, I don't know. You know, that's it, it, there's I, maybe that's part of the fun is parsing through all the different, you know, what ifs. You know, what if? Yeah. Sure, it's fun, it's fun if it's alien. Fun. It's fun. I don't You know. Maybe it's fun if they're. People that live in the middle of the earth, or it's you know, the man, I think uh, Tom, since he's been the subject of our conversation significantly, I think it's Atlanteans, right? Isn't it Atlantis is in Hell play, yeah, man?
6: Um, yeah, Aquarian. Like, yeah. Aquiferians. Uh,
1: yeah. I, Why do I you think this know. all happened off Alpha of Catalina Island? Like, come on, come
7: on. <laughs> They're wine fans. <laughs> <laughs> they like the Catalina, Catalina wine, wine Mixer. mixer Catalina yeah. Wine oh. Mixer.
1: We circled back to Step Um, Well, I kind of want, all right, one more question for you guys before we wrap things up here. I've taken enough of your time. Um, where do we go from here? Like we had, we had everything Tom built up and kind of brought out. We now have a report that came out from the Pentagon. We've got the department of defense saying we're going to keep looking into it. We're going to put a full-time staff on this. And uh, yeah, we're ready to, like, really tackle this subject with the American public. Like, where do you guys think we're going next with this when it comes to the government? And where do you want us to go with this, if they're even different? So, Zach, let's start with you, man. What comes next for uh, the whole UFO question for you?
5: I don't think you know what you're asking here.
1: Uh, <laughs> so... Here we go for another half hour. No, I'm kidding. Oh, man. Well,
5: oh, the... I'm going to quote my friend Bradley, who I have I have conversations with all the time about this subject. With um, you asked, where do we go from here? And my only response to that is a statement: "This yes. su- this sucks.
4: <laughs>
5: it sucks. <laughs> this really sucks." And the reason, I mean, I'm just being a hundred percent blunt, right? I love it. <clears throat> it sucks because. Growing up, I always felt that there should be adults <laughs> and officials and representatives and people that care about other people um that represent me or something like that. And I think the idea that, that this entire story has managed to get as far as it has for as long as it has now culminating in what we now see playing out where... We are saying it's not, it's not this, it's not that. And we're pl- kind of playing games like, well, maybe it actually could be a bird because we didn't say, we just said not man made. <laughs> we didn't say it couldn't be a bird. But this is, the, I want to be like, just to be serious for a second. It's, it's, it's very serious. Um, I don't like the idea of what's of the game that we're being forced to play. To kind of put it in kind of Eric Weinsteinian terms, um, I feel like we're we're being forced to play a game where we don't have any information, where all the information is behind classified walls, where all the people that could elucidate and uh, you know help us understand this topic and and understand what's going on, they won't talk. Yeah. Um, we're even you know even the people that have been on the periphery. Yeah, uh, as players like Tom DeLong won't talk, not coming on my show, not coming on this show. This sucks. And I- I'm willing to say that it sucks. And it it I have hope <laughs> on the basis of, of like, like what we're seeing play out that that maybe we'll get to something like an answer. But at the same time, I can't help but feel like maybe we're also just all being played. You know, there's there's sort of like no version of this that isn't one of the biggest stories ever. And there's no version of this that isn't really kind of crappy because, like, we're being deceived and it doesn't matter by who at this point. It just for me, for someone who this topic affects personally, and it goes back a long time, um, I have a lot of frustration built up over all this stuff. And like, there's a reason why I, I'm like, we, McCaslin, come on, man. Like, just, just (laughs) clear this up. We need to start getting some facts in order is how I feel. And, uh, you know, it starts with people coming forward and talking. I don't know any other way because the, the government is so, so complex and so compartmentalized that the information that we need, I don't know if it's ever going to come out. So anyway, that's my really long answer to that.
1: No, man, I I appreciate that because I know you have a lot of personal stake in this topic, um, as many of us do. That's why we got involved with it. We're all into this topic of UFOs for our own personal reasons. And um, I think that's completely understandable that you're frustrated and that it sucks because you're right. No matter where we turn, no matter who's saying what, it's all just a game. And we have to try to decipher every goddamn word they're saying to get to any truth. And I think that's kind of why I wanted to bring you guys together, not to like figure out, was McCastle and the guy that Tom talked to? Because inevitably that doesn't mean shit um, at the end of the day, but it's a matter of, Trying to figure out where the core truth started with all of this that has happened in the past three years that everyone says is, like, the beginning of the real ufology, you know, with all these new people who've been interested in the topic, Brit included. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, in terms of, like, in ignorance to the topic, like, you have a lot to process and comprehend and go back and look at what has happened before all this. Because you look at a lot of the people who've been involved with UFOs for a long time and they've been saying from the very start with all this Tom DeLong stuff, like, you're going to get burned, you're going to get pissed, and you're not going to get any answers. And look at the conversation mm. we're having right now. So no matter how much I love Tom DeLong and his music and, like, I, I bought the fucking t-shirt, I bought the books, like, I'm sitting here Myself being like, "Goddamn, like just tell us something of substance that we can work on right, so that yeah. that's my reckons, Britt, where do you stand on all of this? What do you want to happen next with all of this and uh yeah what 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 do you what do you have hopes for
6: I have conflicting emotions
1: good and i I yes. want to hear them, let's do it. Well,
6: it's very conflicting because I understand the importance of our uh, national security. And so mm-hmm. you know I think the question is is transparency or disclosure on this topic going to put us in more danger? Yeah, if it does, quite honestly, I don't want disclosure. Mm-hmm. I would prioritize the safety of the people for disclosure. On the flip side, though, there is a way to be transparent. And you know, like you said, give us substance. None of this he say, she say, none of this like, oh, I've got an NDA, I gotta be behind. (laughs) Give us substance. That is the main thing that drives me crazy about this topic is that and the reason why I dig so hard, especially considering that I've only been in this, quite what, what, a month and a half now? and
1: <laughs> She literally looked and, at her calendar. I love that.
6: Yeah, look, the amount <laughs> of information that I have pulled up, I have a stack of paper, like, this thick already, a PDF file that I've printed out. Like, these scientific reports that I've read through, you know, like, it, just all kinds of stuff. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, I would like to have fact based evidence. And I like to make like uh, a belief or something behind that based on the facts, like infer the situation based on the facts. But at the end of the day, there's still hardly any substance just to explain it to me like I'm a five year old you know
4: like, seriously yeah
6: and so like if, if there's a way that you can explain it to not only me but the public in general like we're five years old what is actually going on without putting us in danger I'm all for it
5: explain it to me like
1: I'm Tom DeLonge at an airport restaurant <laughs> <laughs> exactly no i love that brit and like the struggle i think for a lot of ufo people is we agree with you like we don't want to risk national security um we don't want to you know hinder anyone's classification or security clearances but we also want the information that we know hides behind but Mm -hmm. so it's hard it's such a catch-22 um that's why that's why we drink that's why we've been doing this for 70 plus years
6: But like another thing that we have to consider, too, is that, you know, I live in the South, right? I live in the Bible Belt. I've already talked to, like, my family and friends about this because, you know, like, this is where my nose is at right now, right? You know, the majority of them have told me it's demons.
4: Yep. A lot
6: of people believe that being transparent and having disclosure about this is not going to really affect people in that way. But that is not true. I can say that from personal experience. I've had, I might have made like one status about it on Facebook. I hardly ever go on Facebook, right? But I did make one status about it. And one of my friends just went on there and said, You need to stop researching this because that's the devil pulling you in.
1: I've been told that as well. No. Yep. I, I've and been so, told as well that what I do is a sin. Yeah. yeah.
6: Right. Yes. And so, like, that's another thing. There's just so many problems that could occur from being. Honest about the situation. But at the same time, it's just really like, what is more important being honest? If ET is actually out there, or if parallel universes, if we're in a simulation, if we understand this and know this, and we have factual based evidence to prove this, what is more important to keep the harmony? Yep. I don't know that answer. And that is something I still think about to this day. Like, I don't know the answer.
1: But it's a good question to ask. And I think, Mm -hmm. again, that's why we're at where we're at now. So, Tim... Bring it home for us, man. What do man, you man. want next? What do you hope for? Like, do you have any faith that we're ever going to get answers? I know that's a
7: lot, but. I, 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 no, I was just thinking about what a shit burger it'd be. If, what if it really is demons, you know? <laughs> what if, like, well, hey, well, yes. let's, like, like,
1: like, let's be upfront. We know that members of the Department of Defense and whatever, ATIP, like a lot of them thought that. They were uber religious people who thought that this was demonic, and they said, "Stop going to Skinwalker Ranch. You're gonna fucking bring a demon out. Like this. This is real. These thing. These people's religious beliefs affect the information we're getting and the, uh, the furtherance of science looking at this stuff."
7: Well, and strangely enough, as long as it remains unknown, I mean, can we write anything off? Yeah. Uh, but no, I, 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 totally. Actually, what, what Zach said. Really resonates with me, and and the same with what Britt said. And uh, I think that uh, the idea that it sucks right now is a good way of uh, kind of summing things up. And and I will say that uh, without naming any names, that I think there's a lot of uh, you know mainstream journalists who've been covering this in the last year, you know, last few months, all this kind of stuff, who who feel the same way. Um, primarily because okay, we we got to this point. And uh, I think that for me and my part uh, of looking into this for the past couple of years was was trying to determine if what was initially being said by people like Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, others, Tom, uh, you know, that there were objects of unknown origin that, that were unidentified, that were actually being encountered, uh, you know, within military airspace and, uh, you know, on highly sensitive surveillance systems, highly sophisticated uh, integrated systems, uh, we should be able to kind of uh, weed out a lot of the other misidentifications that, you know, the normal person on the ground might not be able to. And I think when the report came out, that that was substantiated, you know, that (laughs) that was validated. And so where we're at now is this idea that there's these unknowns that that are encountered or, or captured on systems that at least enough has been validated. So now from that point forward, in terms of what is it, I think the burden of proof is on the ones making the claims. And, and that's where I think the most frustrating thing, and that's where it sucks, like Zach said. And, and like Britt said, is where's the evidence base behind that, is that uh, you cannot ask and you shouldn't ask or expect anyone, uh, especially if you're talking about something that I want to you know, make sure that we, we really... <laughs> put this into perspective as to what it is, if you're saying it's, quote, aliens, uh, this would be the most significant discovery in human history since the advent of language. (laughs) It's a huge fucking deal. And so you cannot and should not be willing to ask anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a member of Congress or you're a random person on Twitter. You shouldn't get mad or expect anyone to accept that is being the absolute truth, or accept that is as being what the conclusion is, uh, without more than we have right now. You know, the burden of proof lies on those ones making the claims. And so, what quote it is, and what is behind that? Uh, I think uh, you know it's going to have to come out. Somebody's going to have to prove that point. And I, I understand that. For a lot of people, it's like, well, you know, release some pictures and videos, but, uh, you know, it's going to have to be even more than that. When we're talking about something as significant as, as what some people claim, that this is, and, and like you mentioned earlier, Riot, this is, we'll just, we'll, we'll throw it under the umbrella of non human something, <laughs> uh, a technological uh, origin. Um, yeah, you know, even, you know, especially in today's day and age where pictures and videos, you know, can be altered Photoshop, like you're not going to convince the world and people that that that's true with just a picture or video. And so I I think the burden of proof is there. And so I, I, I'd say it sucks because I, uh, I don't know where to predict where it'll go from here, uh, Primarily because if it is a truly unknown, you know, <laughs> let's take what the government is saying at face value. It is truly unknown and, you know, there is no crash Roswell bodies or if there is, they've lost them. It's, it's turned into Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, you know, just knowing how the government handles that and Britt really touched on that is you're not, you don't talk about that until it's known. You're not going to talk about it. And so I think that uh, if there is going to be any resolution here, it's going to have to expand beyond the conversation that's just being had by the Department of Defense because, you know, and I, I shared this when I did my kind of analysis of that report and tried to, I know MJ, our, our editor, God bless him. Love MJ. You know, he was like, Jesus Christ, you give me like the history of intelligence here. And I'm like, no, I think it's important <laughs> that people understand how intelligence is done how the defense, you know, intelligence works and how that differs from science. Because people are like, where are the pictures and videos? That's science, ladies and gentlemen. You know, science is up front. It provides you all the data, all the information so that you can verify and replicate the results. That is not intelligence. (laughs) And so, you know, that's it's important there. And, And we're not going to get what people want from the Department of Defense. I know that's a that's a real kick in the balls for some people. That's not how it works. And so I think that, uh, you know, short of unless they're going to come out and say, all right, you know, here it is something. It is X. It's aliens. It's whatever. Uh, then they would have to provide that data. But I, I think that uh, it's going to be it's kind of now parsing in the world where it is a legitimate scientific problem, and which means it's going to take actual research from scientists using sophisticated technologies (laughs) to detect this stuff and not just, you know, not just us being forced to go out there with some binoculars and take a video and post it on YouTube or whatever. So I, you know, I hate to sound uh, pessimistic, uh, but I hope it, I hope there's something different. And I think this is now for me where the point that, uh, like you mentioned, Ryan, that people have been saying this. Well, yeah, we've been down this road before, ladies and gentlemen. No, they're not wrong. And so yeah. the question is, what's going to be different here? And so I think some of the biggest thought leaders here, uh, I think it's on them. You know, and I, if yeah. people like Lou or Chris or whoever, or we're, we're sitting here. I'd say it's on you guys now. If if these claims are, you know, that have been said, let's figure out a way to. <laughs> disclose that so that we can kind of come to that same conclusion
1: right and Tim I think you hit the nail on the head to kind of drive this all home uh the burden of proof lies with those who have the claims so those who have the claims show us show us what that is but also I think the thing you stress mostly uh most importantly is like Don't look to the Department of Defense for answers to this. Don't look to the Pentagon. It truly lies with our scientists. Like, that's what we've all been saying this whole time, is, like, we want the scientific proof to understand these phenomena. Like, we don't... Everyone has their own stakes in this, whether it's alien, interdimensional, time travelers, demons, angels. I don't care. Like, it lies in what we know here on our planet with the most brilliant people... Uh, that we consider our most important scientists. So like, I don't think it's pessimistic. I I think it's hopeful that like science can now have an important place in this because they have denied it for so long. First and Mm -hmm. foremost, it was like taboo to talk about this, to look into it, still is in some respects. But look at how many independent scientists are willing to dive into this and work with the government. So I think you're right. Like, let's stop looking at the Pentagon for answers and let's start Looking at our scientists who are out there and crave things like this, you know, like that burning curiosity of what comes next.
7: And let's and- present a scientific argument. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Sarah. No, Go no,
5: ahead. no, no. Yeah, sorry. I just I was gonna say, and just keep having these conversations and and um, like we we need to keep talking and we need to, you know, the number one thing that I've learned in the time that I've been a part of this community is just like have empathy for each other. Like everybody is, everybody's probably wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's very true. I'm not, you know, I don't know, you know, aside from Lou Elizondo, who very well might know all the secrets or whatever, like we're all probably uh, pretty off the mark or we have part of the truth or whatever, but you know what? Like, the thing that matters that we have each other's back and that we, we have empathy for one another. And, and look, this is a topic that like it, uh, it affects people in ways that I don't think is appreciated often enough. Like we're people are very vulnerable and, and like when the government releases a a vague UFO report, you're not, again, I I mentioned this on, uh, on, um, on UCR, but like, you're not just, gaslighting us, the UAP people or whatever like. It's the whole spectrum of people that like they need something. They're all looking for something. And it could be the people that believe Dave Wilcock it could be us who are a little more rational, right? Or it could be people that think it's all demons and you're in, and, and by being vague, you know, I've talked to Tim about this. It's like, this is almost like to the point where it's a bigger national security threat to continue to be vague in whatever the truth is. Okay. And that's kind of where I've landed with this, but anyway, I didn't
7: mean to, didn't mean to interject there. Yeah. You're, you're spot on Zach. And and I think it, in fact, it (laughs) rolls right into exactly what I was going to say, which was, there needs to be some scientific arguments presented here instead of emotional arguments. And that is on Mm -hmm. both sides. And and I mean that, and and that's, what's been very frustrating for me, is because I have seen that same thing. Uh, you know, hats off to Mick West, even though I've I battled with him. And, you know, even though I was wrong recently in one of my battles, and was glad to say I was wrong to him. I have no problem with that. Uh, but at least he, he shows some type of experiments. He's trying to show something and, and prove something. And, and you know, it, it's frustrating to me, even when I've seen, because uh, I, like I feel like I keep hitting on you know, the quote believers. But I want to say the critics and skeptics have been very frustrated because it's, it's, you know, I just read an article not long ago about how the, the, the threat of conspiracy culture and UFO culture, and I, you know, coming from a psychology background, I'm like, that's an easy social psychology experiment. Make that a scientific argument, not an emotional argument, or you're just as bad as the people who are sitting there you know, saying it's aliens. And right. so that's what's frustrating is there's a, there's a more palatable Disagreement. It's like, well, this is this is this is much more acceptable for me to say, but it's not a scientific argument, is it? You know, (laughs) prove that there is a link between conspiracy culture and and UFOs. There may very well be, but that's Mm -hmm. a scientific argument. And so that's what's frustrating is that on both sides, if you're going to dismiss it at this point or you're going to prove it, make that argument legitimately and let's not have an emotional argument because like Zach just said as long as you keep it into emotional argument then you're going to keep it into a realm of belief where it will be quasi-religious and it's going to be you know you have zealots you're going to have a lot of emotion involved on both sides and so we should all kind of be better than this and like Zach said and we should be willing to accept results no matter what they are whether they prove it's not a bird or whether they prove it is a bird. We should be able to accept that. Because at the end of the day, I I don't I'd like the real aliens, not the fake ones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Could be dolphins. (laughs) Or
1: dolphins. (laughs) Oh guys.
6: Yeah, please, Britt, please, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Another thing that we have to remember is that it is so healthy for a community to have people on opposing ends of the discussion. Because just like Tim just said, you know, You don't have somebody challenging a hypothesis. Eventually, it will purely be emotional, and that tends to lead into cult-like mindsets. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it just, it, I really don't understand why people do get so emotional over someone discussing the other side of the argument. If our goal here is to get to the truth, we need both people. It's
1: simple. Absolutely. We don't yeah, need and exactly. And I think, you know, we look at whether you're looking at a believer or a skeptic, um, it's not so much like the enemy is one another. Like we all are looking for the same thing. The truth, the enemy is the vagueness and the people who actually have the answers but aren't willing to bring them forward. Or maybe they don't know the answers. Like that's a completely that's- understandable uh thing too. Like who maybe nobody has the answers and we're all just using this malleable phenomena to like appease our own beliefs and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, that's a conversation for a whole other time. I think you guys, you hit the nail on the head. Like this started as a conversation about like a possible general telling Tom DeLong something. But I think we, we ended with like what's most important about this is like, we just want a base truth like Zach said. And we don't have that because we're just getting claims from the very start of all this stuff that's come forward in the past few years. So I'm glad we like went back and looked at this. Some people might not find it beneficial to their own research or interest, but I think it's important to like point out the fact that like this all started with this possible one man, McCaslin, and nobody questioned it and nobody pushed it and nobody's challenging tom delong and maybe that's because no one can get a hold of him that's a whole other thing but at the end of the day like yeah just tell like if you're gonna make these claims back it up that that's the most simplest way to say it um so i guess that's kind of where i want to leave it guys um you've given me way over the time that i expected of you so before we go Um, I want to know where we can find everything you guys are up to. So let's just go down the line. Zach, tell us where we can find everything you're up to, man.
5: Yeah, man. I'm uh, still doing my podcast. Uh, It's just www.projecthuman.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at ZCychy or Z-C-I-C-H-Y. And yeah, I'm just going to keep on
1: doing my thing. Awesome. Brent, um, I know you have a new YouTube channel that's going to be premiering soon. You got a couple teasers up, so tell us a little about inference, if you don't mind.
6: Uh, so inference is just taking a whole, like just a large amount of facts, uh, putting it on a timeline, and then just presenting it to the audience, and they can infer what's going on based on this evidence. It will be covering the ET possibility, the psyops possibility, you know, just all kinds of possibilities and theories and viewpoints that have. Uh, just being at the forefront of like this discussion, uh, we'll be taking a good look at every single one of those viewpoints. Uh, well, in this documentary that I'll be releasing soon. Um, in fact, since I have uh, gotten to speak to all of you, I, I did have to. I, well, I made the executive decision to push back the documentary.
5: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm learning. so Brett.
6: More than what I originally knew, and I thought I that's what happened. I thought I was queen of research, but turns out, might not be true. Um, but, you can find me at inference, the first E is a three. Um Perfect. But at inference, first E is a three on Twitter, and yeah, and just be looking out for that documentary. It should be coming out in August. And I'm Sounds really good to
1: me. Awesome, awesome, Tim. Hit us, my man. Where can we find everything you're up to, and uh, when's the next big uh, triangle photo coming out of the ocean going to drop, brother?
7: Oh, man, <laughs> where's the I'm tri- Sorry, it, I'm sorry, I had to. I had to. No, 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 I don't, dude. It's a running joke on the inside, bro. <laughs> like, every article I put out, everybody's like, "But where's the triangle?" No, yeah, <laughs> you, you can find me at OnlyFans. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Um, uh, Maybe that's where we could find McCaslin, <laughs> <laughs> right? Selling bikes, anyway, yeah, 50 bucks. Wild. Give him fifty yeah. bucks, he'll give you a bike and some answers.
7: Yeah, he he could do a a course, so book and make a <laughs> bunch. Um, yeah, no, you can uh, you can find all our stuff at thedebrief.org. dot and so you know, putting out uh, science, tech, innovative news stories, and obviously stuff that relates to UFOs or UAP when it's newsworthy. And so when we can kind of verify it and, and we try to stay away from the sensationalized stuff. So if it's, uh, if it's something we've got good going on, then we'll put it out. Um, so you can find me there, you know, or you can find me on Twitter at, uh, LT Tim McMillan, M C M I L L A N. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. Um, and yeah, no, I, I do have a couple of things in the works and, and so we'll see, but you know, uh, I don't tend to move as fast as, ufo twitter or some people like but i hope <laughs> i try to make sure it's thorough and you know
1: exactly. all good
4: and
1: with good reason i appreciate <laughs> that awesome all right guys well that's all the time we had for today on somewhere in the skies i have to thank zach i have to thank Brett. i have to thank tim for all your time today guys i hope we illuminated some of the mystery behind this whole McCaslin thing. But I think more importantly, uh, we brought up a lot of the other things that uh, we should look forward to in terms of this topic. And like, you know, just keep having these conversations. Like Zach and Britt said, um, I think that's very important. I think it's awesome that science is going to become a bigger part of all this. And uh, there's a lot to look forward to, no matter what, uh, what the naysayers might say. So um, with that, guys, I'm going to say good night and I'm going to thank you once again for coming on Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you.
0: In the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans.